Welcome to Green Minds Think Alike. Today I wanted to share an opportunity I had. Um, the Central Florida region of the U.S. Green Building Council uh, was fortunate to have President and CEO of USGBC Mahesh Ramun Jam uh, join us uh, for today um, to talk about all things LEED, uh, where LEED stands today, um, and where LEED has gone since he's uh, taken over as CEO. Um, they are doing a traveling roadshow basically to promote LEED version 4.1 uh, that just recently launched in all of its uh, subsequent um, rating systems, including communities and cities. So the first part of this lecture, um, he speaks a little bit in regards to where they are now, where they're going, um, and then he jumps into where uh, version 4.1 um, is taking off and some of the things they are trying to accomplish there. He also talked about a, a new uh, project they started called Living Standard. They they found that um, you know through their studies that there's still a long ways to go in getting people in the general public to understand what is green building. Um, and so this um, is basically a way for people to share how um, their stories uh, play into. Um, the environment and and sustainability and they're hoping through this process to um, invite more people to get a better understanding of what green building is so people have a better connection with buildings um, as we spend so much time uh, personally in our daily lives within buildings so um, this isn't your standard interview um, it, it's going to be Mahesh uh, speaking for about an hour and 20 minutes um, and like I said, he's going to be traveling throughout the, uh, the remainder of South Florida and then other parts of the country in the upcoming months. But I thought this was important to share, and he was uh, uh, graceful enough to allow us uh, or allow me the opportunity to share this with you. So I hope you find this a benefit. And so without further ado, um, here's Mahesh. to that. My, my background is computer science. Uh, I've been a program manager forever. I'm not even going to tell you how many years. Um, uh, but the gray hair will give it away. Uh, Mahesh serves on numerous boards and advisory committees. He includes the, the Bank of America's National Community Advisory Council and the board of directors for GRESB. Um, and that is leading sustainability standard for the global real estate portfolios and infrastructure assets. Before becoming president and CEO of USGBC, Mahesh served as both the organization's COO and CIO. So all aspects of this, you're really uh, uh, deep into it. Prior to joining GBCI in 2009, he was a COO of, of um, Emerges uh, Corp. And for, for more than a decade, he successfully led various business transformation programs at IBM and Lenovo. So that's going to serve very well in transforming this market to where we need to be. Um, uh, transformative thought programs, partnerships, initiatives continue to be the heart of Mahesh's work today. He leads hundreds of employees and thousands of volunteers who work tirelessly on the backbone of green building uh, movement. He believes that sustainable living is not just about physical building and the rebuilding of our communities, but ultimately about willingness to reimagine the way we treat each other. Amen. 
So he envisions the world where construction is as much about compassion as it is about convenience and efficiency of, of structures themselves. And anybody who's been in an urban area where we need more housing for low income knows that to be true. Um, so, uh, and most importantly, behind every strategy, he emphasizes our universal responsibility to prioritize health and wellness to make commitment to longevity of our planet, because there is no plan B, right? Uh, and, and to create a better quality of life for ourselves and future generations. So without any further uh, ado, uh, uh, please come on up. just to be clear. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's my pleasure to be in Florida. And uh, thank you for being generous with your time. You could be somewhere else. You chose to be here. So showing up matters. So thanks for being here. And uh, thanks to Janice and uh, Peter uh, for uh, hosting us here. And I'm glad to be always in the lead building. That helps us a lot. So and uh, importantly, uh, Denise uh, uh, talked about green marketing. Uh, I just want to start with a quote. It is really a bad sin to build a bad building that is not sustainable. But it is really a cardinal sin not to talk about a good building. So just remember that. So telling a better story is more important than actually the work itself. So let's uh, commit to better storytelling this morning. With that, I'll start the conversation. Uh, you know, it was a long bio. I didn't want you to think like that's what's the whole agenda of the meeting. No, it's uh, Peter was very generous to be my full bio. But I've, I've been very fortunate to follow the footsteps of uh, many leaders um, in this community. Uh, I am the youngest in the family. I joined only 10 years ago to US Green Building Council, completely by accident. And uh, I came in as a technology lead. I came to consult, and I was trying to fix some systems. Paul and me have talked quite a bit in many forms. You know, in every role, me and Paul had some kind of interaction. And now we're doing some cool things together. Hopefully, I get to talk about it a little bit later in the day. But what I've learned is that I was fascinated when I joined this organization was, why do so many people care? Why are, why are you actually showing up? Why are you giving your time? Why are you helping develop lead? Why are you helping build the USGBC? I tried to analyze it. I really tried to analyze it. Because coming from the corporate world, that's a luxury. You try to buy them. You spent up billions and millions of dollars really trying to get people's attention. Here people are saying, sure, we'll help you. We're here to do it. And it boiled down to the simple principle, paying it forward. We're all fine. Personally, we're all fine. But what are we doing for somebody else who is not represented in this room? That's the key message. Right? At the end of the day, you are showing up because somebody else could not show up here. Somebody doesn't have the luxury of being able to do it the two hours on their daily wages to be here and you're able to do that. To me, that contextualizes everything I do every single day. Every single day, think about this. I just came back from New Orleans, spent a day full of conversations, and uh, you know, people passionately talk about stormwater management, particularly two days ago, they had a, a, a literally a flooding situation, and they're reacting to it, and, and I could see that somebody else is building something for other people. Somebody else is caring for somebody else. Even though we are still not making the progress we want in terms of everybody connecting and really moving forward, we have really been very fortunate for the community because the community has done a really good job of showing up, 
caring for others, and importantly, doing something else for others. So I hope this morning, my goal is that I probably will share most of the things you already know, but you will always be surprised how it creates a context for what's next. So my frame is very simple, past, present, and future. And I want to give it as simple as possible, and uh, hopefully uh, we can have a little bit more Q&A at the end, depending on the time. Now, before you leave, I request you the most important thing. Let's take a picture. Let's grab this moment. I want to memorialize this moment, and always it becomes a challenge. We forget, and we leave the room. So if we forget, remind us, we should take a picture, and we should memorialize this. So thank you again for being here in Florida and doing the good work for Florida, for the country, and most importantly, for the global platform. So with that, 25 years. This is my favorite slide since last year. It's, it's, a, it's 25 years. In 1993, USGPC was established with a vision, a very simple vision. Buildings, communities, and cities will regenerate and sustain the health and vitality of all life within a generation. Now, that's a very powerful statement that was established in 93 by many of you in this room. I was not part of it, but I'm the proud uh, uh, flag bearer of that. I carry that flag every single day. So I'm very excited. And hitting 25 years meant a lot. And I call it, I started asking this question. Could you go to the next slide? So this is the, to simplify our mission statement, this is what was our lens. Green buildings for everyone within this generation. And why did we choose buildings? Buildings still account for 40% carbon emissions, 30 to 35% energy efficiency, energy consumption. Still, we have, we have a lot of work to do on the building sector. When you think about existing buildings, when you think about new construction, when you think about new mixed uses, when you think about residential, buildings still continue to play a bigger role. And, and as you will see later in my presentation, there is more work to be done. I like the word <coughs> everyone, and I like the word generation. So I asked our team, what is a generation? Yours, mine, Paul's daughters, who are actually really doing some cool stuff. You know, which generation are we talking about? And when you really look at it, so I had to really frame the conversation by saying, first 25 years, let's call it a generation. We have turned a page in the history. And how have we done it? Is that we use the language called lead. So for I, the way I started talking about lead was, lead was the nutrition label for a building. I still have people in the plane. Even yesterday night, one of the gentlemen asked me this question. What do you do? I said, I'm, the, I'm running the US Green Building Council. What does US Green Building Council do? I said, we build green buildings. And he literally asked me, do you put more plants inside a building? So that's where we are. So it's very hard to describe my job description. <laughs> and, but still, lead, lead has done a good job of really creating the language, right? It's not about putting plants in the building. Yes, we like more plants in the building. <laughs> but but you, it, is, it, is a, it is a nutrition level for a building. It's a best practice. It's an environment management tool. It's a human health management tool. It is a, a policy making tool. It's a guideline. And for me, it's a mindset. And that's what that's what we have been able to do with Lee. What have we done with Lee? 176 countries and territories. We are truly global. So when I talked about showing up, you are actually helping somebody build a building in Bangladesh. And I'll tell a story about that. Four years ago, uh, I don't know whether you saw the news. Four years ago, what happened was few factories collapsed in Bangladesh. Government factories. Poor working conditions. Really bad stuff. Uh, I, 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 I don't know how to describe it, bad stuff, that's it. And people were dying, it's the real only industry that actually is relevant for them, which is the garment industry. And importantly, uh, forget about green buildings, they didn't even have buildings that held up. 
and poor working conditions. So when they got on the call with us and they started talking, we said to them, look, the one thing you can do, one thing, whether you certify to lead or not, go read the lead language. Go read the lead manual. Start thinking about the next building you're going to build. It's going to be a better building. Better building than what you built till yesterday morning, right? Or this morning. Do a little bit better job of what you're doing. And today we have got 124 projects with the entire garment industry making a commitment. They will at least build a lead silver. Now that's the context for your work. You help somebody build 124 projects and they're able to leapfrog because they're able to write on top of your backbone and really get done. To me, that's a very inspirational story. Now, we don't, we don't feel it, we don't see it, probably you're not talking to them, but I talk to them every day and I'm happy to connect you on my Facebook. Become my Facebook friend, I'll connect you with those people. These people post every day one new picture. And literally yesterday I saw one thing like, my lawyer would probably have a heart attack. It said, US Green Building Council member logo, right next to it, it said 360 solutions. So when I read it, it felt like USGBC company is 360 solutions. That's how it really looked at it. My lawyer would look at it and have a heart attack. They were like so proud to carry our logo. Our logo was bigger size than their logo. And so, and so it's exciting to see people own it that way. You know, it's, a, it's obviously, it's a, it's a community's work. So we are proud to, proud to participate. So that's the context, 46,335 commercial projects. Now, I heard, I heard the most famous term that I hear every day is, oh, lead is complex, lead is difficult, we have a lead fatigue, et cetera, et cetera. Well, 46,300 projects, when Rick Frederizzi, my friend, mentor, and our philosopher, our spiritual leader, our founder, and of course my brother, he told me, Mahesh, got the job in 2011 to be the COO. I started with 23,000 projects. So I watched this map very closely. And, and very, very closely, because this represents 7.33 billion, 7.86 billion square feet of certified space. 7.86 billion square feet of certified space. Now, if you don't like that number, there is 52,000 registered commercial projects in the pipeline. So close to 100,000. I keep telling my team, please give me that 100, rather than me saying close to 100. Give it to me, right? And we are working hard. So that 100,000 projects, <laughs> 100,000 projects, and this is 13.33 billion square feet. So closely put it together, close to 21 billion square feet of space we're pushing on a single basis, single, everyday basis. Now, let me go further. 1.65 million plus total residential units that we have certified. Yes, LEED applies to residential spaces. But the bad news is we are missing a zero. It should be 16.5 million at least. I prefer it be Two more zeros. That'll be a much more realistic number, but we have some work to do. So we are not that perfect. Just to show this slide, you know, this is, this brings humility in me. As I when you think about when you think about green buildings for everyone within this generation, what about the people inside the homes? And that's where the biggest challenge sticks in. That's where more material movements are happening. That's where more health and wellness conversations are happening. That is where the resiliency conversations are happening. And yesterday, when I was in New Orleans, the biggest struggle is how do we actually activate homeowners to understand stormwater. The city will do it, the city will do the planning, but everybody has to own it. The city can only do so much. So that kind of conversation starts at home. So, you know, and of course, when, when it gets done at home, it's gonna come show up at work. You know, see, it's almost the inverse effect. We'll get there. Uh, this is another reason we know that it's working. Implementation matters. I keep telling our people, outsource all idea generation to the rest of the world. We don't want to be any more the number one leader in ideas. That's welcome. 
I'm glad we can be innovators, but our goal is to be not the first, but to be the best. And second is we want to be the world-class leader in implementation. Because when you have 100,000 projects, you carry a huge responsibility. And you will, I will touch this on lead version four, how, how we got out of balance a little bit, right? So when you look at it from my point of view, my operational management experience tells me that be disciplined, stay focused, do this in an iterative manner, and really bring the market along. And this proves that every day we're building the market along. There is one more step. When I became the COO, Rick Fredericks first said to me that you got the, the good news is you got the job to, to be the COO. You get to be my, you get to be my second in command. That's, that's a privilege. But then he also said you got bad news. He said what? I no longer will travel to China. You will travel to China. <laughs> if you know Rick Fredericks, you know that he meant it. You know, uh, uh, many, of, many of you know Rick Fredericks and he's like, he's not gonna, he's not shy. He didn't like the fact that he has to go and compromise his wine. You know, he's, he's an Italian, not that Italian. He loves his wine, so he couldn't get better wine in China. So the funniest part is that when he said to me, China was fourth outside the United States in 2011. Last year when I was giving a speech, I read the note while going through the speech. I said, China is the number one outside the United States. Although I knew the data point all along, it hit me. It hit me pretty strong while giving the speech. I said, like, what? What does it mean? Four to one doesn't take a lot of time to fly over the top. So I really freaked out because I'm the president and CEO of US Green Building Council. Now I'm going to stand on the stage and say, oh, China is the number one leader in green buildings, and US Green Building Council is playing tag along with them. Doesn't look right. We can do better. We have more work to do. So it, it, this is the context. But the good news is in 2011, in 2009, when the global meltdown happened, we had 70-30 mix. 70% projects came from US. 30% project came from the rest of the world. By 2012, the mix became 50-50. We were certifying one international project once a week in 2008-2009. Today, we certify one international project every eight hours. And please look at the McKinsey report as of yesterday. When you have a chance, take a look at that. The McKinsey report says Asia Pacific is accelerating its progress beyond its original projection. It's hitting 50%. So the market is huge. The market has got different value provision. And the good news again is we have delivered on the technology. We've delivered on the best practices. Lead is working in China. Lead is working in India. Lead is working in Brazil. Lead is working in, even in Europe. The Europeans don't want to adopt anything from America. But now lead is thriving in, in, in Europe. So uh, thanks to your good work, it's scaling. But at the same time, we have to do more work on the home ground. It's, it's that it's that competition is welcome, and we can do better with our business. So this is another uh, data we see. I'm 204,000 lead professionals. How many of you are lead professionals in the room? Thank you very much, because only because of you, lead is successful. I always tell the team, don't ever pretend you are leading. You're only following. The day you think you're leading, the game is over. Because you are leading, you are making things happen, you are advocating for lead, you understand lead, you sell lead, you push in lead. In fact, sometimes you even people try to think beyond lead. So, or many times. So I, I, I'm grateful, super grateful for that. And I please, please continue to advocate for the good cause. And of course, my lens is lead, so continue to push lead. Uh, how many of you are lead fellows in the room? Great, congratulations. Thanks to both of you. I think this year we're expecting a class of 42 for lead fellows. Uh, hopefully, hopefully next year we'll see more lead fellows from this room. Has anybody applied for lead fellows? Hopefully, I'll see you on the stage <laughs> with a celebration. I don't have any influence on it, but I'll definitely cheerlead for you on that side. Thank you.
Floyd, I want to I want to give you the number. Uh, five thousand five hundred would have been nice. If we can commit thirty five projects today, we'll be five thousand five hundred. It'll be a nice number. Uh, four forty seven fifty four. What's going on with that? This could be five hundred. It'll be nice. Nine six three four. What's happening with that? It could be ten thousand. So if we can commit that for that today, this morning's meeting is done. We can get the breakfast, right? Let's make a commitment. Let's move the numbers a little bit. I, I think it's not that big to ask. And, but fantastic, this is a great number, and we are almost, almost half a billion, and we can do better. So thank you for that. And uh, you know, these are some of the wonderful pictures from this project. I, this is my proud moment. I always show pictures. That's exactly it. That's the reaction I get whenever I throw a picture uh, of these three buildings. There's always uh, some excitement. Like you saw that you saw Peter and team talk about OEC building, and so it's such a pride. And the other thing I want to say is that we are starting a new lead uh, campaign. Uh, you'll see it. It's an advertisement campaign. Uh, basically, it's just to simplify the language of lead. Because our people talk about ACP, pilot credit, material credit, this green guard, that green guard. <laughs> this is all good for our inside language, but when you talk to our broader population, it, it needs a lot more simplification. So I've asked our team to really simplify. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to do a, a, a dynamic ad campaign, which means that every building that you want to feature, feel free to submit the picture of the building. If it's a lead certified building, we'll, we'll rotate that in the next ad. So it's, a, it's just a, a simple uh, way of presenting the story. And uh, hopefully, hopefully that'll, that'll excite more people, that'll show more engagement. And of course, we want to continue to tell a good story. So thank you for the leadership here. Uh, this to me is very personal. As I said earlier, I spent a lot of time understanding why this organization is successful. I didn't, I didn't, jump, into the, I didn't jump into the box very quickly. I took a lot of time to understand what we were doing right, what we were not doing right, and most importantly, uh, how do we continue to keep the momentum? To me, this is how I simplify this organization's DNA. Partnership is the new leadership. And why I say that is because everything UHGBC today is that you heard uh, Sarah talk about members. And I'm very glad that she didn't go into the benefit slide because uh, that would be like, Transactional. I don't want that to be transactional. It's, it's a relationship. You're given so much, and we keep asking you to give you give, ask you to give more. But but the point is that you're given you was green building council. You're given lead. You're given green growth. You're given uh, our community network. You're given our lead professionals. You're given us the performance management platform. You're given us the ability to come back and innovate around materials and sustainable materials. You have given us the freedom to think about a sustainable future for all. So when I think about it, how do we continue to nurture that partnership? And particularly when I took over as a COO, it was a very challenging moment. There were some mistakes made by the organization, and I had to course correct it. And I had to really think through this from the perspective of what's working, what's not working, and, and this is what it is. So my commitment to you is that I will always follow this rule. I'll follow this principle, and, and I want your partnership. Because without that, we cannot be leaders. And of course, that's something that's something I'll continue to ask. And please, please support us, engage with us, and allow us to grow, grow the, the greater cause. Uh, Florida, obviously, I don't need to tell you, Florida community has done a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. uh, I, <laughs> yes, I, had, I, I received a wonderful note from Paul. It took me a week to respond to him, actually. He's always generous. <laughs> he sent me a note right away last, last Sunday. And he's, last Sunday, basically, he sent me, Mayesh, I heard, I'm, I'm hearing you're going to be in town. I'm an MLAB member. How many of you are MLAB members in the room? Thank you for your support. Thank you. And he said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. I'm going to help. I'm going to support. And he's a very busy man. He's a business to run. He's dealing with customers and clients. But being able to keep that kind of time, 
That's one example. And I'm, I'm, I, was very, I was very touched to see that somebody would just really be so committed and really doing that. So without you, our, our mission is incomplete. So thank you for that, uh, that support as well. Now, evolution of lead, very quickly I'll go through it. We are on version one. We started in two, 1998. We had, you are all familiar with this, version one. 2009 is the most popular rating system in the world. Version four is we raised the bar on the market. We really became outcome-oriented. But when we say outcome-oriented from a strategy point, not from a performance management point of view. I asked somebody recently, what is lead for you? He said to a developer, I said, what is lead for you? Because everybody gives me a, their definition of what lead is for them. One person said it beautifully. He said to me, lead is the world-class project management system for developing green buildings. That is succinct for me, because ultimately, ultimately, you know, we are not trying to step in and play the role of an architect or an engineer or a, or a construction manager or whatever, but we are giving them a framework to think through this in a methodical way that you will apply to the design, construction, and, and operations stage. So this is something very, uh, it was very easily and relatable to me, at least, given that I struggle with project management on a single everyday basis. So it, it, it was very clear to me that bringing teams together making sure people understand what needs to get done, and really making sure the buildings are really delivering the value it's supposed to. Because lead should not be applied to a building, lead should be integrated into a building. So that made a lot of sense to me. Now, lead version four was about strategies. You'll see that in a second, how that language shifts. But let's talk about this, this why do I show this slide? Four years, four or five years ago, I was in one of the Middle East countries. You guys can guess when I finish telling the story who it is. Uh, we heard a lot of concerns about human rights violation. And there is a particular site we were certifying uh, to lead. And I was very concerned that we would put a lead logo on a, on a site that potentially had a human rights violation. So I did an audit. I formally asked for an audit. And I walked through the whole building, just want to make sure how the working conditions were there. And when the, when the audit was done, I didn't see anything that was out of norms. So we were comfortable to pr proceed with the certification. And in that process, I asked them, what is the version? What is the level? So they said V2, four years ago. Just track this timeline for me for a second. Stay with me. This data is going to be interesting. Four, four years ago, they are in version two. And I asked them level. I said silver. Then I told them, do you realize version two certification is closed? You can no longer certify version two, not registration, certification itself. They said, yes, we know. That's why we want you to give an extension. So I said, I will give extension on one condition. I have no choice. It's a, it's a million square feet project. I said, I will give you an extension on one condition. You will upgrade to go. And they came back. They did the math. They, it cost them close to $1.5 million in terms of additional costs they had incurred. They committed to it. Because of all the controversy, I think they wanted to put that million of dollars and probably cleanse some of their sins probably, who knows, right? And really committed to doing gold. Last year they come back and ask for another extension. That's one data point. Second data point is leave 2009 made people feel comfortable. 23,000 projects are participating in 2009. Real, it really moved the market. People got comfortable. People said, oh, we lace gold. Platinum is like one step away. You know, people really got comfortable. That's a good thing. Sometimes we talk about this as a bad thing because we made leadership as something like only extraordinary things. We have not really actually helped market understand. Leadership is about continuous improvement. You need to continue to stay the course. You need to replicate, improve the process. But somehow we have created this notion that it's a pass-fail test. Then 
lead version 4 comes, the world gets into the world of controversy. You all know the story. It, it, no good deed goes unpunished. Right? Every, every governor is calling us, and every, I mean, we have become a job killer, we have become an in, uninclusive players, I mean, we are fighting the lobby, all the things you can imagine that can go wrong in America went wrong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we are the lucky recipient of that award. And then our people were basically saying, well, we are right, everybody else is wrong. Okay, I've heard that one before. Great, that's even better. So it was a real battle, and it took a while to begin this, this thing. In the meantime, version 4 that was supposed to be 2012 moved to 2016 for official announcement, closure, if you all remember, October 2016. So we finally shut down V3 registration. Certification is still on. Version 4 registration starts. Guess what happened? 10,695 projects registered in October 2016. <laughs> to which version? V3. <laughs> 4 billion square feet. 4 billion square feet. We just cleaned up. So if you really, if I was running in manufacturing, I broke every manufacturing floor that is got there because I can't produce that many products in a month. That much orders were placed. Now everything is a placeholder, we all know that. Everybody freaked out. They gamed the system. They put that $1,200 or $800 as the cheapest money to throw it. They registered and took a slot. This is like you applying for a Tesla, right? It's like, okay, I'll put a $500 deposit. I'll deal with it later. Literally, they did that. Literally. Now, what does it do to the transformation process? It's completely illegal. How can you be building a version to goal level in a project that is actually getting built to be, the, to be the building that's going to exist for the next 100, 200, 300 years. We don't know what that usage of the building is. It's a museum, by the way, just to let you know. So it's going to be there for a long time. So that caused a lot of concern for me. So version 2009, version 3 took 10 years to develop. Version 4 took 10 years to develop. And then the market wants to still lag behind. So there is something really we're not doing a good job here as an organization. That's the one thing I try to tell our team repeatedly. It doesn't matter. You bet the farm on it. Version 4 is an official failure, period. I'll say this before a million people. Not to offend anybody. Because we didn't bring the market along. It's nothing to do with the product. The product is great. But if you didn't make things easier for people to do, and if you didn't make it accessible for people to do, and if you really didn't give them what is value to them, then we have missed the mark. Then we are only generating ideas. We are not really delivering solutions. That's our biggest awakening. And hence, I am going to skip this slide because I talked to it. So lead version 4.1 came. I put my foot down and I said two things need to happen. One, while this was happening, we were very clear that my biggest fear is that I wake up one day in the morning and I'll have a New York Times article that will say that lead buildings don't perform. And this is the real proven study behind it, right? We are taking advantage of the market not being organized. But somebody got smarter and organized and really did a good job of analyzing what's going on around the world. We'll quickly see that many of the lead buildings are not performing to the expectation that they set for themselves. Forget about my expectations, right? So because our theory is this, what gets measured gets done. What gets done gets improved. What gets improved gets replicated. What gets replicated transforms the market. That's the story of lead. So when you really look at it, there is no measurement scheme. There is no, there is no validation. This building is certified. But what level it is performing? Where is it going? Is it maintaining its level? All these things are being done by, I'm sure, by Peter and team. But the point is, 
it's not visible, it's not easily accessible, it's not intuitive for the occupants of the building. You know, certain practitioners will have a full grasp on it, absolutely. But it needs a scientist, it needs an engineering person, it needs a facility expert to be able to do that. So basically I told our team, bringing all of our performance vision to really to streamline and say, give me version 4.1 that is not just performance oriented strategies, but it also got performance based outcomes. So that we measure what we manage, that's the first step. Measurement looks like minutia, but that's one important step we have taken. Only to protect that 46,300 projects that got certified, and our brand is at risk if we don't do the right thing. So that's the first step. Second step, what we did was we shifted the narrative to existing buildings. We were approaching existing buildings like the way we were doing new construction. Enormous process, process heavy. Last week when I was in Austin, somebody said this beautifully. They said, we don't want lead to be heavy on process but we want lead to be rigorous on outcomes. That soundbite resonated with me, right? I keep telling our team, simplify, 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 right? But hold the line on the performance because nobody's going to argue on that. Everybody's trying to deliver that. Everybody's aspiring to deliver that. And that's a key value proposition we can deliver if we really got our solutions right. So really being able to build that narrative into the marketplace was important. So that was the second thing we did. So flip the strategy for existing building because we didn't get our existing building strategy right. Because our existing building strategy said 600 buildings in a year. 600 buildings in a year is not even, as the feds call it, the, the decimal dust, right? In the, in the grand scheme of things, not even relevant in the sampling when you think about the existing building because 95% of the buildings around the world are existing buildings, right? So having considered that we have brought this process-heavy solution, but it doesn't drive value provisions. And further, if you break it down, all existing buildings are not going to be LEED certified. It's not going to be possible. There are, there are different starting points. But how about recognizing that incremental leadership? How about recognizing that continuous improvement leadership? So we are constantly thinking about how to solution that space. And finally, we said, we'll first approach the lead part of the problem. Then we'll come back and unpack it to become part of the incremental undertakes. That's where we are pushing next. So I said that. So I am very proud and excited to say a few things. Number one, with version 4.1, we really tightened up our development cycle. It took 10 years to develop 2009, 10 years to develop version 4. This literally took 14 months, literally 14 months. And I held the line on the team. There is only one focus. This will get done, then we will talk about everything else. And it the team delivered it. The team delivered it, the community delivered it. So it's possible, it's doable. It just needs discipline, number one. Number two, when you really look at it, I also told them we must integrate performance and we must integrate carbon. We have integrated officially carbon as a metric. Now, we never had carbon as a metric. It was an indirect calculation. We always had carbon, but it was indirect. Now we are directly connected to metric. Third is that we have really clarified our performance expectations. So you can see that the theme is very clear. And then last but not the least, the third one, we really simplified the usability of credits. So we didn't lower the material credit rigor. The material credits, we believe, is one of the best things that we have given to the marketplace. But we made it so ambiguous, so cryptic, so complicated, Etc. 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 Now, I think we've super simplified that process, and I'll be, I'll be very, I'll share a small data point which will get you really excited about it. So that's the third point, and the last but not the least, we made version 4.1 the world's first green building performance standard. So the narrative is lead is a, a project management system for green buildings, but it's also a performance management system for green buildings. Is the shift we have made by integrating performance, and you will see that we'll continue to double down on this because we are, we are going to go process light, performance heavy. That's our shift. And, and by the way, the market is not there. 
And I will also tell you, since 2012, I've been screaming at the top of my voice. Enter your data, enter your data, enter your data. <laughs> How many people do you think entered data until December 2016, 2012 to 2016? Take a guess. What do you think? We have 46,300 projects, so keep that number in mind. 75. 10%. 5%. <laughs> Probably. I would be shocked if it was exactly 1%. It was not even 1%. People didn't do it. Just didn't do it. Because there is reluctance, there is fear, there is confusion, there is no technology. And they will show me the greatest technology. They'll say, see, when you walk, this motion sensor sinks behind you. That's great. I said, like, but it doesn't enter the damn data. What's you? <laughs> we all know that how that works. You know, I just like, we have plotted these buildings and all these things with a lot of technologies. But really, what is driving that fundamental value to the occupant or to the facility manager or to the leadership is a very interesting challenge we are facing. So why I'm sharing this is because I had to double down to really tell people, no, you must enter data. You must enter data. Now, luckily, luckily after all the push we have given, 4.1 has accelerated. So right now, 5,641 buildings are reporting data in our platform. Now we can do something with it. We can look at, and I have no stats coming. You will see the stats shortly I'll share. No longer the stats I showed you, like 174 countries, 46,300 projects. It makes me feel really good, makes you all feel good. You all take nice pictures and you leave. What did we do to the market? How much carbon, how much energy, how much water, how much quality of life? There is no context in the data. Now, that's our challenge. But the good news is with our platform, we have been able to extract some of the data. And hopefully the market will have an opinion on it, and which is good. We want that kind of visibility to be created. Of course, we are not exposing any of the individual buildings data, so don't, don't worry about it. Your data is safe. I have no partnership with Facebook, so please be clear. <laughs> I'm not going to publish it in a wrong way. But it is very, very important that we actually contextualize the data. And to contextualize the data, first we have to get our data right, quality right, and all the good things. Anyway, with that, the other part I wanted to share with you was with we are shifting the conversation, and people are now seeing it. Because when you connect it with the lead, people are able to see value with it. Now it becomes a step towards certification. This is what the market is used to. So when you make it part of the uh, lead certification, they say, OK, we can do that. They love the points. They love the score. They, you, last three weeks ago, I gave the International Olympic Committee headquarters a lead platinum certification for version 4. And they. Paul will love this amusing Paul because Paul's a lot of material. So today's a version for conversation, a lot of Paul. And uh, the material conversation is that they really pushed back on all their vendors and said, well, if we cannot meet the V4 spec, you cannot serve us. So they were able to mandate it. So some of the you know, founder-driven furniture manufacturers in Italy, they have to really say, like, what do you mean? We develop the best-in-class furniture, the best design. That, that still doesn't meet lead requirements. So they had to go back and clean up their supply chain to bring back a new product, even bid for that project. You know, because it was a flagship project in Europe, they wanted to do it. So that story apart, they got 93 points, the highest for a V4 project in the world as of now. Till yesterday, they're haggling with me for one more point they didn't get. The GBC had denied it. So the point really works. So I really want to make it on point that we continue to push the point. So it's just a, it's an exciting thing. So with that, you know, uh, the other the other point that I carefully named it point one because I didn't want to think that we we failed on V4, not as a product, but in implementation, but not in the concept. We do believe strong energy performance is required. We do believe 
we have to account for human health experience. We do believe we need to have a rainwater budget, sunlight budget, and all the good things. We do believe a sustainable, healthy materials is the way to go. No more attributes. It has to be about life cycle assessment. It has to be about EPDs. It has to be about HPDs. It has to be eventually about circular economy. That's our goal to get them, and that's the way to get them. So it's not about lowering the bar, lowering the rigor, but it's about ease of use. So I regret now that I didn't name it version five because it's so well loud and light. You know, but when I named it, I was very nervous and made it point one. Now I should have made it four plus one, then five would have been more logical. So for the future. <laughs> so this is what I accomplished. So I talked about 14 months of development. In 14 months of development, I only talked about buildings, but we also covered existing buildings. And by the way, you also know that existing spaces is also accounted for. So if you have an existing space, you can now bring it through the EV process and get that certified. Get the credit for all the material improvements and all the interior improvements you have done. So that is one thing. Then we have B, E, and C. We have ID and C, which is new construction, new interiors. We also added the transit because metro stations, light rail station strategies are evolving in the United States and around the world. We also added a brand new product for residential. We cleaned up residential completely end to end. It's fully rebuilt. That's the reason that was 1.65 million because we limited ourselves. This organization did not get, like existing buildings, did not get residential right. So we rebuilt it. Now we are deploying this. We're already seeing good traction in the market. Single family is working, but our focus is on multi-family because that's where the build is happening. So those type of things. And then, uh, for 4.1 cities and communities, I'll touch that in a second. So uh, I'll jump here. To me, this is the goalpost. This is my knot. I keep looking at this every single day. So. Let's talk some numbers. By 2050, 400 billion square meters of built space is going to be recognized. First of all, we shouldn't build that much. Even yesterday in New Orleans, I was asking this question, why are you guys building so much? The city had 600,000 people, post-trauma, it came to almost 280 right now. And you got, easily they can take 250,000 people right on top of the city. You can absolutely take 250,000 people more. And why are you building more? And then when I saw from the, from the flight, I see surface parking all over the place. In the middle of downtown, can you imagine? In the middle of downtown surface parking, if New York had that, somebody's gonna be a billionaire right away. Right, I mean, it's like, and this like, what are you guys doing? What is happening with your density? What are you doing with your construction? What are you thinking, right? So finally, what did Richard Branson do? He comes and flies and buys a surface parking lot, and he's building a building on it. I'm sure it is the cheapest investment he has ever made, and a better return on investment. So it, it, why are we building this much? I don't still get it. But regardless, if you are going to build it, given that these structures are going to outlive us, this building definitely is going to outlive me. And I'm glad it's built as a elite building. It's a better building for the future. And when you look at that, we have to make sure that we build everything right from here on. There is no option, there is no, there is no debate. That's very clear. The second part of that, the impact to global economy is $700 billion from the lack of sustainability, lack of energy efficiency initiatives, lack of this. And where is that money going to come from? And who's going to pay for it? All of us. Because the government doesn't pay by itself. It pays from our pockets. It has got real impact. So when you really look at this, and of course, with the climate change, we have seen it in 2016, 16 natural disasters. And in places that you didn't expect it. Houston was not the place we expected a disaster, but we had a disaster. So those types of things happen, and it's happening. 
So if you don't like the word climate change, it's okay. But climate risk is real. The impact is real. And of course, sitting in Florida, I don't need to convince you what are the challenges you face. And so that, that's what we're trying to kind of think about saying, okay, what do we need to do next? So 2.6 million is a good number, but 2.6 million is not going to get us to our goalpost or really going to get us to do that. So we have to do things really differently. Now, this is why we believe the next step for USGBC, given all the things we've built, now we are out of the storm call version four. Version 4.1 is really successful. So far I've heard, I hope you guys will give me the same feedback after this meeting. And Kat, you can, you can track that. And the most important part is that version 4.1 is well received. People like the concept of performance, like the concept of carbon, like the simplicity, usability, everything that after traveling through the country, that's the feedback I've received, and also through the continents. But the most important thing about version 4.1 is that 800 projects have done credit substitutions. I told our team, give them flexibility. Particularly coming from that story I told about where I had to give an extension for a version two project. I said, okay, let the projects decide. I can't mandate it because I don't know the conditions of the project, project implications, but at least give the option to the project to pull down a better credit from the other rating system. So if you are in V2, if you want to do better material credit, because you're still not gotten to the material part yet, pull down a version 4.1 credit and do it. And do it, and, and you know, I was very, excited to hear the data from my team. 800 projects just in two months have switched 2,000 credits. So it's the opposite side we are going. That's a good thing. And which credit card was substituted? Material credit. It's on fire. And I love it. Because that is what we four should have done. Right? But the point is, is we had to make it easier. There are real challenges with materials. But the good news is, if they didn't, if they stuck with V4, they would have not done material credit, or they would not have gone all the way, or they would have done it, they would have not reported it. All these things will happen because people do things for their projects that are better for their projects, but not as always communicated. But the good news is now we have data. Now we know what worked. Now we'll get visibility into what products you were used, what products you not used. And then be able to motivate the manufacturers to say, hey, guess what? You should double down and help us, right? Because I truly believe market transformation for materials is not going to come from building architects and engineers. I really don't believe it. Because you know why? Architects have to specify to get a product, and if the product didn't exist, you're going to specify some other product. That's a choice. I don't want to give the choice. I want to take away the choice. So we want to go to the product manager directly and say, build better products, and let's just get them to the projects. So it makes the job of the architect easier, or the specifier easier. So it's a very interesting cycle that we're trying to turn. It's going to take some time, but we are committed to it. Our vision is that it should not be an option. We should make it easier in a way that people can just use it. Because people are going to use better products. That's no-brainer for them. As long as it's affordable, as long as it's accessible, and most importantly, as long as it delivers a quality value for the project. So I am super enthused by that, that data point. And to me, that is strategy working. And hopefully by Greenville, we'll have a, a ton of uh, 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 you know, excitement around it. And I also said this to, the people, to my staff in my all-staff meeting. I said, whoever registered the 10,000th ARC project. I told my team I'll give them a Tesla. <laughs> and my team did not believe it. They thought like I was just joking. So I went to Austin last week and I said the same thing to all of our community members. Whoever delivers the 10,000th project gets a Tesla. So here I am. I'm telling the same thing to you. Get me the 10,000th project and take a Tesla. Right? That's all. I'll leave you with that. I'm, I'm serious about it. <laughs>
and you will love it. Last week, two weeks ago, when we were in Austin, uh, it was funny. I didn't realize there was Toyota in the room. So this guy was coming after me in the next panel. So I said, Tesla, I made an announcement, got down. I said, look, what's up with the Tesla? Why not a Toyota? And I couldn't answer that question because, you know, I think people are not craving for, I want a Toyota. I think they want a Tesla. So <laughs> me and Renan were just joking about it. It was very funny. Anyway, uh, the zero is very important. Now, we were very careful not to come back and get on board with the net zero narrative. You will see that there are so many net zero narratives going on. Again, I didn't want to make the same mistake of version four. We're just coming and throwing stuff at it, and people can't do it, and the one-offs are not going to work. We want to move the market. We have a responsibility to move the market. So what we said was, any lead project, because lead projects have gone above and beyond. Lead platinum projects in particular have really pushed them along. Some lead gold projects have also done it. Some people have taken an energy lens, some people have taken a water lens, some people have taken a waste uh, lens. There's so much, so much going on in the market. So we were very careful to really introduce a performance path to begin with and said all lead projects can be eligible to attain lead zero. And lead zero energy, water, waste, and carbon. Only four we are giving it as an addition to lead. Why? Because when we say zero fully, we have to comprehensively address sites and materials and all those things and health. And in health, you don't want to say, oh, we are zero health. That doesn't, that narrative doesn't fit. I don't think, I don't think you're going to go out and say zero health. It, it doesn't resonate. We like positive. The word is positive. So we're pushing the, we are pushing the direction of positive. And your CEO saw me really announce that, that call for proposals two weeks ago. I think the last week, I think it was last week. We announced the call for proposals, which we are going to look at. This is for us to get ready for what's next. Beyond 4.1, strengthening 4.1 and building that continuous improvement to go next. And at Greenville, you will see some of these presentations being made. Please, please send your proposals. And uh, you may be asked to pitch. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of a, a real-time real collaboration at Greenville. That's one of the vision that we have for this year's Greenville. The future of lead session is where the future of lead is going to be shaped going forward. So we are trying to change the way we do business. Historically, what we've done is organically come through emails and documents and phones. And then it gets cooked in Washington, D.C., and then suddenly people react to it. With 4.1, we have really learned that we could do a better job of really engaging the community and making it visible. It's mostly everybody's engaging, but it's not clear. It's not visible. And sometimes we don't understand why we are suddenly going and touching sustainable health material. That context was important. So that storytelling, that emphasis was important. So we have shifted that. At Green Bowl, you will see that session is going to be published and going to be done. And our LSC members will be there so that they will be able to really hear it firsthand why those ideas and concepts matter. And it doesn't need to be a revolutionary concept. It could be a basic optimization concept, but it is going to help us to move the needle. So please, <coughs> please communicate and, and drive those proposals forward, because I hope that session becomes our anchor session at Greenville for always thinking about what's the future of lead. So just please spread the word. Please bring your proposals. Or even if you don't have a proposal, at least show up and listen to what the presenters are going to say. And then we'll also do a digest. And I don't know whether you have noticed, for version 4.1, I made it very clear to our team that you will publish responses to every proposal, what was included, what was not included. So we did a, a little bit of reconciliation. We published it. It's in the public domain. You can see it. And then we, for the same thing we did for cities and communities as well. A stakeholder report has been published. So the whole idea is for you to have visibility on what other people are thinking. Because that's the easiest way to know what ideas are working, what ideas are not working. And it's something for you to leverage. Okay, with that. We have launched Lead Zero. What I was excited about was I announced this last year. And then I got a phone call from some one of our partners and said, like, well, we're going to sue you. I 
said, so like for what? They said, you are using the word net zero. Hmm. So somebody could copyright net zero. So I immediately copyrighted the word love, friend, everything. Just joking. You know, just <laughs> like that. I mean, we, don't, we do a lot of disservice to ourselves, but it doesn't matter. From our point of view, what we did is we thought a little bit beyond and we named that as lead plus zero. Then I spent a lot of time thinking about it, given I'm a math major. It was not logical for me to think lead plus zero is equal to lead. Mathematically incorrect. And my father will not be proud when I said I attained zero. So these things I really thought about it. We made lead zero because lead with zero, lead from zero, lead away from zero, lead further away from zero because we want to go to class. So how many of you have seen our art platform, our dynamic plan? Great. How does the race track go? This way. What happens when it hits 100? It goes this way. And the whole idea is we are going to reverse everything. Because the whole idea of what you are doing right now is efficiency. What we want you to do is go positive. We want to have the reverse so that we can actually have buildings generate more electricity than they consume and remove car more carbon than they produce. That's our vision. And we are working very hard towards it. We are almost there. Now, last year it was a theory. Last year it was a requirement. It was a request. Today, Lead Zero, that the three projects got certified in the world. Three projects. I'm very proud. First project did not come from the United States, did not come from China, did not come from Europe. I mean, people always say, oh, Europe is ahead of us. Yeah, sure. Then why did I not get a Lead Zero project right now? It didn't. It came from Brazil. It tells you something, right? That country is going through some midlife crisis. But we can give a lead zero project from there. Right? It's fantastic. The second one came from Little Rock, Arkansas. Not New York, not California, not Chicago. So leadership is happening. It's fantastic. That I mean, integrating. I mean, some of you may know. Pause. Someday I want to connect you with him. So you you like that some of what they're doing. It's like are, are any of you interested in the net zero? They really did a good job of really thinking about this, and, and it's a small business, so they, they don't have to invest. They could have diverted the daughter or another higher, but they really care. Their passion was, was like infectious. I was there, I was presenting, and I told them, you're the first project in the United States, the second in the world. And I said, world happens to be a very small place with only 7.6 billion people, contextualizing it, right? The third one, I'm very, very proud, comes from Arlington, which happens to be the county I lived until two years ago, now I'm in Alexandria, from a DC elementary school, Discovery Elementary School. A school can hit a lead zero. That's a phenomenal story. Now, the good news is we have 150 <coughs> projects in the pipeline right now certifying to lead zero through performance. This is, not, this is not arbitrary. You have to perform. You have to show the data. You have to show that your renewable energy is working. So we are very excited about pushing that. That's how we move the market. So I just wanted to share that. Okay. Now building on the same concept of performance, recertification we have offered. Every project, EV project, we know that EV has always required you to recertify every five years. But that's what happened with that recertification. People will come back and ask for a new certification. Another gaming of the system. They will come, they will not be able to give you the data. Then they will say, Mesh, get me done through this new certification. That's great, it, it, it clocks my dollars, it gets my square footage right. But the whole concept of recertification is you will share your performance data and you will be able to really demonstrate that you are maintaining the certification. That was the idea behind it. But people started 
doing all these things. So we said, no, let's do it simpler way. And that's probably because of us, because the process heavy and it was data less. We have flipped that. Now the good news is recertification. I thought this would be a push. Everybody said to me, Mash, you're crazy. This is not going to work. This is a recertification of open for three things. For 4.1 projects every three years recertification. For the projects like EB 2009, V4 and all, has got recertification requirement. These are two requirements are mandatory in your world. And then for all the projects like V2, V1, all the projects that got certified before all these requirements were there, I thought probably we should give them a migration pack to come and see it. A core and shell project in China, 8 million square feet shopping mall, certified to core and shell platinum in 2012, got recertified to 4.1 platinum through recertification. Four months ago, I gave the platinum and I asked for an audit because I couldn't believe it. How can a core and shell, a shopping mall of that size, could actually hit a platinum? I was really worried about it. When I did the review, they showed me step by step through data, through data, what they've been pushing, continuous improvement. Of course, I know the developers, so there is certain credibility associated with it. But I was impressed. I was really impressed. It's possible. And we do things because it's possible. So I just want you to know that, that that's something that's been done. Right now, we have a pipeline of 400 projects wanting to get recertified. And the best quote was, where were we uh, in, in Phoenix, Arizona? Our friends from DPR. I finished giving a presentation like this and said, Mahesh, I want to add one more thing about 4.1. I said, go for it. They said, we just certified a federal building in five weeks for lead EB using 4.1. They said that's that's an outstanding and outlier for us because that kind of speed can be achieved because people are now focusing on data and of course if we have the data we can get there quickly. If you don't, then obviously you need to start getting your house in order a little bit to collect the data, right? So we are very excited about this recertification vision and our idea is to bring every project in and really migrate them to this migration system. But we want to give that as a project choice. We are not mandating it, but we are encouraging projects to start doing this because that's what you are expecting them to do. Now. Earlier in the USGBC's uh, uh, vision and mission, I said our mission was very clearly in our website defined. Buildings and communities and cities will regenerate and sustain the health and vitality of all life within a generation. I said, I'm still waiting for the communities and cities vision to come. Where is it? What's going on with them? And we dropped lead neighborhood development. Now, lead neighborhood development has got two types of people. On one side, people love lead and lead. On the other side, people just say they hate it. They just hate it. Because it's too, it divides the world. And it happens to be America versus non-America. Because it has got so many American requirements, and which is not the real world in the rest of the world. There are no gated communities around the world. If there are gated communities, uh, there, are, there are gated communities around the world for various other security reasons. But here, you don't have them. So that cultural uh, rub was always creating confusion. And it was not allowing us to scale. And then in the meantime, 2015, you saw that 1,000 mayors went to Paris, and they signed this fantastic agreement called we are now going to transform the world and we support carbon reduction, blah, 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 blah. All these things were written. But I said, how do we know, or how do we help these mayors know that they have arrived or they have achieved the goalpost? How do we know? I mean, everybody's making these declarations, but where is the tool? Where is the accounting system for us to show this is the commitment, this is the output? So, I had to push our team very hard to say, we need a community and a city framework. Obviously, he gave me the favorite answer, which they're used to giving me, just saying no. And I said, no, that's not going to work. We kept 
working on this and then we took this performance concept and then we flipped it and I said, okay, let's start with performance. With building, we started with strategies, then went to performance outcomes. Now we'll go with performance outcomes and we'll see whether it works. Then we'll go to the potential development of strategies and planning and all the components. Reason is that there are 500 plus rating systems out there. Cities have their own organic way of doing these things. Cities don't operate like buildings. They are resource deficient. They have their own challenges. Their priorities are not just sustainability. They have other things going on. So there are competing priorities. So don't come back and give a prescriptive methodology to a city, but instead allow the city to project and communicate they're making progress around their plans and then help them rally up. And then I was very skeptical that I'll probably find one city in the world in five years who really participating in this program. We launched two programs, Lead for Cities and Lead for Communities. Now, why city and a community? is Simply because some people like to call it a city, some people like to call it a community. You want to call it a district? Feel free. You want to call it a lead smart city? Feel free. I don't care about what comes after. I only care about lead in the front. <laughs> so I want to be clear on that part. So call whatever. Call it the lead dancing city. I'm okay with that. Right? But the whole idea is these type of restrictions created structural issues for the people. But give them the leaders the flexibility, but at the same time, give them the framework. When we did that, Washington DC became the first lead platinum city in the world in July 2017, pure performance. So you can see that I show this picture for three reasons. One is that's the first city in the world to get certified. Second, that city got certified in less than six weeks. Six weeks, because the CTO was standing second from here. She said, Paul Mayesh, I got all the data. I can give it to you. Boom, done. The reason is that I was shocked that cities have better data than buildings do. Or at least cities are able to share data better than buildings do. Then it made sense to me, because everything they have to do is they have to justify, justify, quantify, qualify, verify. So they are on the top of their game in terms of data collection, data quality, etc. And we didn't see a lot of anomalies in data. Yes, the cities have a challenge of not having enough staff and resources to pull the data, but the challenge is not giving the data to us or not sharing it. It's public domain, most of it. So we put some uh, small operations team to help them. We are, we are always helping the cities because we've taken a little different approach. But the good news is that's the second part. The third part is this is the only good news I can bring from Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, now in the city of Florida, uh, we, I want to read the names. I, so I don't get it wrong. Uh, I'm very excited. Um, give me one second. Eight communities and cities have already achieved certification. Boward County, Lee County, Monroe County, Palm Bay, Pinecrest, Pinellas County, St. Petersburg, and West Palm Beach. Spread the word and more to come. I, I truly believe more to come because uh, it's it's exciting, and and the, here the concept is not about not about uh, city certifications. I always tell the city leaders only one thing: when you get this certification, it's a scorecard of your work for the past ten years. It's not a scorecard going forward because it's performance. You can't make a performance overnight unless you had a solid plan for energy improvement. You cannot just get that number. And getting platinum, as most of you know, is not easy. Platinum is hard, and also. We have been able to really push the envelope on it. Now, what I'm excited about is we have expanded this vision in April. You saw the earlier I showed the timeline. With 4.1, we've added the planning component. We also have the development component. So now it's a full stack system that integrates everything, all the GBCA rating systems. There is a true rating system for zero waste. 
there is a peer rating system for smart grid there is a, a sites rating system for sustainable sites there is an edge rating system you name it everything is integrated there is a rely rating system for resilience all these things have been rolled up in so that that becomes a guidance and a framework post and hopefully that allows cities to either integrate with their climate action plans or be able to leverage pieces and components of it so my pursuit is not just certification my pursuit is harmonization of all these strategies so that we can talk about them in a consistent manner because everybody talks about them in a in a very different manner and it becomes very challenging to articulate what is the finish line where are we headed and and if you really want to deliver this message in a cohesive manner to the citizens we have to really make it simple really bring it down now the other news is when washington dc became lead platinum there was an interesting story that happened when amazon was looking for the hq literally it was one of the requirement that the mayor put in that flipped the strategy for them. both arlington county and washington dc i mean that region basically got the deal is because of lead for cities and communities because it was placed as one of the requirements by amazon from a sustainability and other requirements point of view so we were very excited to see that happen and the only way we knew about it is because one day suddenly there was an activity on an article that went up to like something like 7000 views within probably 15 minutes and then that was drilled down and it all came from seattle that's how we knew the hunt is on right i mean it just was a very interesting data point analyze but anyway those are good stories to talk so i just wanted to share that uh, uh, that that story is happening now let me bring it quickly into your ipcc report 2018 IPCC report basically said the good news is all the good work you have done has allowed us to contain the damage. We didn't move a thing. Now that could be perceived as negative, but I like to perceive that as positive because if you are doing the building that buildings that we have been building for the last 10 to 15 years, in the last 20 years we have done, and if you had just not done anything. You would have been in the pre-industrial age a long time ago. You would have been like, the world would be really in a bad world right now. The good news is all the work we have done, collective green building community, lead, non-lead, doesn't matter. Whoever did any green step really contributed to controlling that, that slide. But the bad news is we are there at the edge of it. So if you continue what you do today, meaning continue what you're building today, the way you're doing it, and if you don't accelerate by 2040, you'll be back to the pre-industrial. That's what we are trying to tackle. That's why the 2.6 million, my team gets tired of me saying it. 2.6 million is not what I want. I want 10 million. They will always tell me, no, it's not possible. The project won't submit. This doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. No, that doesn't work. If we want the next building to be built, it should be built only with materials that are sustainable and healthy, period. That can be done, but it needs different players approaching things differently. It's about how you think differently, right? When, I'll tell, I'll tell a very simple story. This device, this device, all of us carry one, right? Unless you're having a Nokia phone. I hope not. Okay, so this device, this device to me has got a very personal connotation. In India, where I come from, 70% of people are below the poverty line. And they're robbed by the landlords, the pawnbrokers, the mortgage people, anybody who's giving them lending money, They'll give them 100 bucks, but in the paper, they would write 1,000 bucks. They'll steal from them. And these people don't know how to read. They're not educated people. So they will take their fingerprint. They need that 100 bucks at that time, 10 bucks, right? They need it because it's a survival for them. They will sign anything at that time. They'll take a big thumb impression, stick it in, put down with it. They don't even know how to write a signature. They don't know how to sign. So the government puts 
thousands and thousands of dollars trying to move people to to learn, to understand, to read, to get educated. As you can understand, like all community programs, government programs, many programs have failed around the world. And this is one of those programs that failed consistently since independence of uh, India from 1947. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. But then this device comes. Everybody has one. And they are SMS. They are sending SMS. They are sending iMessage. They are sending Facebook notifications. They are doing like. They don't know their own mother language how to write. But they are now in the foreign language called English. They are playing the game. That's what we need to create. That's the, that's the transformation we need. It's a, so this to me is a transformation tool. Like it moved so many people out of their pocket. Now they are depositing money. There is a, they are transferring money. They are doing WhatsApp. I mean, the spelling mistakes will be 50,000 of them. But who cares? At least he's spelling the alphabets. Right? It's a winner. So when you think about it, these are the things I think about it. Say, okay, how do we revolutionize the way we think about green buildings? So really make these things simpler and accessible and deliver. And we, we need creativity, right? So it, it's possible. And the last is that while we are on the slide, I want you to remember only three simple things. I, I really want to boil it down to three simple things. 2030, 2040, 2050. That child will be in college. 2050, hopefully a CEO, an investor, or a sustainable community leader, or USGBC's president and CEO. Whatever that is, <laughs> right? It's possible. Right? That's where that, that's going. That, that child is going to do that, right? Your child. Only three things. That's the only marker. Now let's look at what that market is. 2030 is where all the goalposts have been picked. Many things have been committed for 2030. Feel free to Google 2030. You'll probably go through like 10 million pages of 2030 commitments. 2040, I just told you, it is when you're going to tip to the pre-industrial level. Break or make point. You'll go to the left or you'll go to the right. Or you'll stay where you are. At least that could be a good thing. <coughs> 2050 is the judgment day. Climate change is real or not. So anybody who voted, who voted against climate change can be happy or not happy at that time. These are the only three markers. It's really lucid. Why I'm saying this is because when I joined US Green Building Council in 2011, 2020, was everything was committed. We <laughs> committed to everything in the world to 2020. Everything. Go back and Google 2020. It is larger than 2030 commitments, actually. And then somebody shuffled the papers under the table. You know that you will not accept this in a business. If you had an investor, it's not going to accept that kind of a movement. But only in the sustainability movement, we can actually move a decade and get away with it. Think about this. This is a serious matter. So 2020 is done because I think 2020 is already out, right? We are just not recognizing it. It's out because most of the companies are planning for the 2020. So it's really when you look at that from that perspective, really, really 30, 40, 50. And let's remember Chris's child when we walk out. And as simple as that. So we have to take a different type of action. And we have to make a different type of commitment. And we have to lead differently. And with all the technologies we have today, we should be able to do that. That's just a simple case. Now, uh, sorry, I'm flipping these slides. So if the first generation of green buildings 
was about clearly defining construction, efficiency, design, and really helping people to have better buildings. We have done a good job, but that's not going to be enough. We have to move the needle towards people because we still don't have people connecting to buildings. We still don't have people taking action to the buildings. This is clear data point, I'll tell you. People are still not engaged. The biggest complaint I get from performance management is not energy efficiency data, not waste. Even if I told them, come back and read this carpet toxins, there is tool available to you. But the one thing you cannot get is occupant satisfaction engagement. The engaging the occupant, I'm sure most of you know this, this is the most painful process. Because we have this stupid thing called survey monkey, right? You send the survey monkey. <laughs> and literally it's a monkey because it's all over the place, right? It, it doesn't solve the purpose, it doesn't help. And it doesn't really intuitive, and people are tired of getting surveys, and people don't know what happens with these surveys, right? I mean, people want these, people want, people want to give data only when they get something back. That's something we all know. So, very unsophisticated platform, and, and people are not connected, even if you did put like somebody outside the building, if you put somebody outside the building, ask them to ask every question, probably every seven person will only answer. Six people will just skip it later, right? It, it's a very laborious and a very antique process. And, but at the same time, that is the essence of it. All these things are being done because buildings are about people. So what we saw was that in our narrative, in our talk to our people, they will say ACP. I will ask them, what is ACP? Pilot credit, what is a pilot credit? Energy efficiency, what does it mean to me? That language is so off. So we are doubling down on the people narrative. So when you think about what is the second generation, it's about really centering it around people. That's it, period, right? Because I do believe buildings connect with people, but do people connect with buildings? I don't think so. Data tells me that, and we can do better at it. Sorry, that's why I asked for this research last year. So last year was very interesting for me personally. I said, like, how do we make more people engage? How do people get this? So I asked for a research. And the research, one requirement I gave to the researcher is, scan America, not the world. First I want to go America, because I want to understand what's going on in the country. Scan America, and then don't talk to any one of the people who are in the Green Building community. Do not. Because we love talking among ourselves. We love it. I'm sitting here and convincing you to do green buildings. I don't think I'm doing that. I'm only sharing my vision. If I'm convincing you you should do green buildings, then it's a waste of time. Because you are, you are more knowledgeable than I am. You'll, you'll always be more knowledgeable than I am. But the idea here is that how do we actually go out and engage more people? That's why we're having this discussion. So when I looked at that, first thing what we said is we do a real survey, real research, brought in a couple of people and really did a good job. Our, our survey person did a really good job for me because he's, he's independent of our community, so he was able to think through this objective. And then when we sat and looked at it, very clearly some leading themes emerged. First, we are talking among ourselves, it's proven. Nobody understands green building outside of the bubble. Nobody understands it. The environmental bubble, I call it, loves green building terminology. Outsiders don't. We did a word match. I love the word movement. Rick Fredericks, you would have told a million times, I would have probably told 5,000 times. And I'm sure all of you use the word movement. And the word movement instantly meant it's a political movement in the minds of a common person. Not inclusive. Green is elite. Green is arrogant. Green close came sometimes to Elon Musk. People connected with it. So these are things people connect to, but they got disengaged. They got disenfranchised. And how do we really, how can we really make progress when people are not even connecting to it? 
And then people did understand recycling. People did understand water conservation. People did understand resource conservation. People do understand, hey, asthma for my child is not good, right? Those things make sense to people, but that's not in our narrative. If you really go through it, literally I saw one article where people said, lead covers health. Because we have mentioned 164 times the word health and lead. So because we use the word health 164 times in lead, we cover health and lead. This was one of the articles I read. And I was like, what is going on? This is not how common people connect. Really, it's a challenge. We have a real messaging challenge. We have a real language problem. We have a real engagement problem. If you really want to go to next, that's where we have to start. That's why, that's why I launched this campaign. It's basically to really raise awareness among common public and use the language they use, not the language that we use. The practitioner's language versus non-practitioner. That's the first thing we noticed. The other part we learned from that exercise is that is, people really want all these benefits as part of their day-to-day -day considerations. But they don't connect it with green buildings. Forget about green buildings, they don't even connect it with buildings. So we have got this silo effect happening in all these three. And we have to somehow figure out a way to really make them understand that the places and the structures that they are part of actually has got direct influence on their quality of life and their ability to support their families and importantly, how they can live happier and live longer lives. So that's basically the, the, the narrative we are trying to shift and it's going to be a bigger shift. It's, it's, it's really a challenge at this point in time because we are embedded with our language and terminology so much. So we're working through that. So that is it. And it's a storytelling campaign. And we use a lot of, lot of numbers, a lot of stats, a lot of this thing, but there is no personal story. Why did you do what you're doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? And what benefit causes you or creates for you? That's, that narrative is missing. So please go to livingstandard.org, browse through it, you'll be surprised. I started by making myself vulnerable by telling my own story. Every one of you have a story. Be bold, be brave, tell the story. If you are not able to tell the story, tell us that I want help telling my story. Happy to get on the phone and write the story for you. Right? We have a team of people who are exclusively dedicated to this. But the important part is that people connect to stories and people connect with people who are like them. That's a simple aspect. So the next level of advocacy that has to come from us is not pushing lead. Lead will be fine. Engineers and contractors will know to put lead and give it. And let's no longer sell the color TV in the 21st century. Let's just sell TV. Because in 21st century, TV is supposed to be color. Same way, why are we selling green buildings? Let's just give them buildings that are built green. Right? It's a different shift. It is easy said than done, but it's possible. So that's what I would ask for your attention, and that's why we're doing this campaign. Now, it has got three simple steps. Storytelling for sustainability. We're doing continuous research. Yesterday, I was in New Orleans. I really thought we got the survey done. And then I was sitting and talking to this uh, uh, leadership from Housing NOLA. She told me most of the people come back and say to me, put a biking rack, put a biking uh, solution. They said, when you say this in an African-American community, that is paternalistic. I hope I'm saying that word correctly. She used that word. Because she thought that that reminded them of some history, that reminded them of some negativity. So there is cultural nuance we have to grab. And this one, I flagged myself and said, wow, this is the next layer I have to break through. Right? When you're looking at connecting to people, I really have to meet them where they are. And so when we come back and say, like they talked about the Make It Right Foundation, good intent, good things were done. But the problem is, they gave them a Ferrari, which guzzles fuel for $200 a day, when they're struggling to make five bucks for their own living. So when you are trying to give solutions to the market because you think that's good for them with good intent, but it doesn't meet their needs and wants, 
Then it becomes a skepticism. Now it has become a controversy. She said, hey, anything to do with green is now a bad word in New Orleans because people are only always talking about the Make It Right Foundation's home. But the reality is, a half a million dollar home was given to somebody for free or somebody to put on a subsidized cost. That's a luxury, but it, the program did not get implemented right. Or it had the right intentions, but it was not served well within the community context. So we really try to be smart about really thinking through research and not take this one-size-fits-all approach. Because I say this to my California friends. Last year, they beat the crap out of me about saying, you need to raise this all about carbon. You need to make a climate declaration that we are going to do this. Yes, that's great soundbite for activism. But when I have 100,000 projects that are making day-to-day -day decisions, I am not able to go to just give that. This is not a plane that's going to go through 50,000 feet and come to 40,000 feet in 10 minutes. Right? It needs slow landing or slow ramp up. So when we, when we went through that exercise, I basically said to the California people, California is only probably 30 million people in the world, but I'm serving 7.6 billion people. So every decision that's made in California not necessarily means it's going to work in Florida or elsewhere. I remind our people constantly this, right? I mean, I understand the climate emergency side, but at the same time, how about bringing implementation along with it and making it sustainable? You know, how about implementation being sustainable? So it's a, it's a very interesting uh, luxury we all enjoy, but that's not the reality of the world. And, and that is proved through our medical credit. Our medical credit of V4 was the version of let's go crazy. But 4.1 says this is how you do it. Now better tools, which we are still working on, will make it even more easier. And then the market is going to get on board with it. So that's the part. Last but not the least, would love to do a listening tour with you. Not with me, but with our, the person who's doing the scanning of the polls and et cetera being able to really understand what's going on in the market and really get the narrative right for Florida because I'm really thinking local because we have to be hyper-local. We can't take America and just say it's America. So that's what we're doing. So please, please uh, engage with us, participate. And officially, I want to declare, until last roadshow was time, I'll get you the toolkit. I released the toolkit yesterday. Please take a look at it. Give your criticisms. Use them. It's your tool. So I really try to make it simple for you so that you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to recreate it. And you can embed your story, you can tell your story, whatever you want to do with it. And please share the feedback. And then at Greenbull, you will see that we're going, to, we're going to talk a lot about what happened the whole year. We are going to really show what's next. And most importantly, we are going to really show the shift in how things are moving. Why? This is why. And there is a report we wanted to get done. Feel free to download, read it. You'll like the report. I request you take, take 10 minutes to read the report. It's a big form, so you can get through it quickly. Right? I know, but at least you start with 10 minutes. Hopefully, you won't keep it down after 10. But, but why I say this is because this sets the context for this year's Green Bull. This sets the context for everything we're going to do with the movement for the next 25 years. This also clearly says what you have to do personally to start the next generation. It's very crucial. So please, please take some, take some time out of your busy schedule and, and review it, if you don't mind. And this is why you have to do it. Only 11% of the people in the United States, forget about, we're not talking about any other place. United States understand the word green buildings or even recognize the word green buildings. If we can make 11 to 12, we made progress. That's why we're doing research. We want to constantly test it. If 12 became 14, then it's not linear. Then it's going mainstream. But if it did move, then let's forget it. We are not, we are not, we are not hitting the mark. And that's why. I, I have picked this number and I told our team I'm going to track this number very religiously and see where we go. Now, why? You saw earlier I made the narrative about 
buildings, communities, and cities will regenerate and sustain the health and vitality of all life within a generation. Probably you picked the three words out of it, and it glanced over you. You didn't connect with it. It's too complicated. It is too subjective. It needs a scientist to understand it. It needs to be simple. Better buildings equals better lives. Better communities equals better lives. Better cities equals better lives. Better products equals better lives. Better homes equals better lives. Better lives means healthier, happier life for you. More years on your life. More comfort, more money. This is what we need to contextualize for people. And how do we make that connection from what we do to what people want, which is day-to-day -day considerations and happiness in life? That's what we need to tell them. I asked one of the person who was in the focus group a question. What is quality of life for you? And this person happens to be living outside DC. He said to me, coming to DC on the weekend and having a beer is my quality of life. Now, there is no green building in it. And beer, it cannot get as simple than the beer. Because he cannot afford to live in DC. He cannot afford to go and have a dinner or lunch in the 14th street. So for him, it's a dream, right? It's a dream. I mean, while people in California are dreaming that they want to go to Mars. Both are welcome. That's the world we live in. But this is the world we need to focus on because still there are a lot of people who are staying in this side of the poverty line, not that side of the poverty line. So again, that's why we are trying to do this. Now, let's not be tentative. Let's, today I ask you for one commitment as you leave the room. Only one commitment. Be all in and all out. In Boston, I said all in. Last year, in Boston's Green Building, I said, well, let's go all in. And I said, everyone means everyone. And I truly believe it. Everyone means everyone. And I know you believe it. And in Chicago last year, I said, when we launched the Living Standard, we need to be all in and all out. Don't be tentative. Don't be on the edge. Don't be on the fence. Don't waste time with people who are on the fence. Let's be all in. Why? Because we are talking about Christmas child. 2030, 2040, 2050. There is no time to waste. Time is now. That's all I ask. Join us. Please join us. Already Sarah said that. And without you, there is no USGBC. We are the you in USGBC. Please, please join us. And don't forget our platform. The only place where things really are, are absolutely celebrated to the best and where we elevate the conversation, where we actually get inspired, where we inspire people, and where we can broaden the conversation, where we can change minds and hearts. Because the work we do is not about changing lives. The work we do is about saving lives. And I think it's our opportunity. So please show up at Greenville, Atlanta. It's a nice and easy ride from here. It's not that bad ride. And we're happy to, we are happy to host you. It's a, big, it's a big arena, so we have made accommodations for all of you to come. Uh, you will not feel compressed. And we are going to have some real fun things. And now, I, my friend uh, uh, Sherida is here from Informa Exhibitions, who is also our partner and is hosting the show. I want to tell you this. There is a very good reason that you have to come to this year's Green Bowl. I cannot share why, but I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So it's, I promise you, I really promise you, in, in two weeks you will hear about why. So please make sure you get the front seat, get the early uh, discount, and most importantly, uh, please, please, Join us. And most importantly, the first 10 minutes of the Green Bull on the stage will be, I'll be taking a roll call. I'll be making sure you all show up. Thank you very much for your leadership. <laughs>